Good morning, everyone. It's uh, really great to have whole church family in together. I know as Rosie was praying, lots of wet summer madness, know lots of headed off on holiday, big wedding yesterday, many are still at. Uh, but it is great to see our whole church family in together. So kids, it's great to see you. I have a question for everyone. Just as we kind of come to this point of our service, and as we turn to and open our Bibles, here's, here's my question. Are you willing to hear the Word of God? Are you willing to hear the Word of God, especially if it says something you don't like? Or let me put the question slightly differently, although it's along similar lines. And this is for everyone, whatever age or stage of life you're at. And here, it's questions on the screen. Do you have a listening heart right now? Do you have a listening heart? Are you kind of prepared to listen carefully to what God says via his word and then respond to it? Even if it's hard, even if it's challenging, even if it's uncomfortable. There is a song that we, uh, we sometimes sing just before this part of our service. Here's some of the lyrics. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. And, and so it goes on, and you can see some more of the lyrics in the screen there. But this is a song that we often sing to invite God to speak to us via his holy word. It's a song that kind of says, God, I'm here and I'm listening. And so are we. Or do we sometimes struggle to hear properly? I mean, I wonder, are there times whenever God is communicating directly into an area of our lives via his word, maybe it's about a choice that we've made this week, it's about a direction we've taken. It's about a habit we've got into. It's about a temptation we're entertaining. It's about a thought pattern that we're adopting. And God is speaking to us about that thing via his word, but we're struggling to hear him clearly. And so we're just continuing, if we're honest, to do our own thing as opposed to God's thing. See, God's word which we believe is living and it's active and it's powerful, which means that it speaks and it still speaks and it always speaks. And so the question is, do we have listening hearts? Well, if you've got a Bible with you, can I invite you to turn? Or if you have a device, please look it up. And if you're sitting near someone who's got a copy of a Bible or on a device, share with them. But we're going to turn to 1 Kings 22. And we're going to pick up a story that we have left for about three weeks now. And we're back with a king called Ahab, and he is the 11th king of Israel. And here is a man who appears determined not to listen. Here is a man who won't listen to the word of God, isn't prepared to listen to the word of God, and as a result, he's heading for disaster. I came across this phrase during the week, and as many of you will appreciate, I like it a lot. At the heart of King Ahab's failure was the failure of King Ahab's heart. I get it in somehow, okay? I know it's not exactly word for word, but I love that idea. At the heart of King Ahab's failure 
was the failure of King Ahab's heart. And why was this? One of the key reasons why is because he did not have a listening heart, as we're about to discover. So I'm going to set the scene. I'm going to tell the story. We're going to walk through the story. So I hope, I hope, no matter what age you are here this morning, you'll be able to engage with this. So King Ahab has got himself a vegetable patch, okay? That was in chapter 21. If you were here three weeks ago, we discovered that one of his neighbors owned a vineyard, which Ahab wanted to turn into a vegetable garden. And the long story short is that Ahab's wife killed the owner of the vineyard, or had him killed, so that Ahab could have his vegetable patch. And as we start reading chapter 22, have a look at this with me. You'll discover in the very first verse, there has been three years of peace between Israel and one of its enemies called Aram. So Ahab has had plenty of time to plant vegetables. So there's been three years of peace. Now at the end of this three years of peace, Aram's king, by the way, was a man called Ben-Hadad. And Ahab, at the end of these three years of peace, Ahab decides he's going to fight Ben-Hadad because Ben-Hadad had taken some land from Ahab a number of years ago, a place called Ramath-Gilead. And so Ahab decides, I'm going to take it back again. Now, at the same time as this, Ahab receives a visit from another king called Jehoshaphat. He was king of Judah, the southern kingdom. Israel was divided into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Jehoshaphat was the king in the south. Ahab was the king in the north. Jehoshaphat comes to visit Ahab. Maybe he wanted to see his vegetable garden. But when Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat is there, Ahab says to him, listen, Jehoshaphat, I'm going to go and fight Ben-Hadad. Do you want to join me? So look at verse 4, where Ahab says to Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to fight against Ramoth-Gilead, the place that Ben-Hadad took from me? Now, here's what you need to know about Jehoshaphat. He was a good king. He was one of those kings the Bible introduces as a man who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. There weren't many kings like that, but Jehoshaphat was one of those kings. So anyway, Ahab asks him to join him in a fight. Jehoshaphat agrees, and here's what he says. My troops, Ahab, are your troops. My horses are your horses. But then Jehoshaphat says something huge, massive. And here it is. First, let's find out what the Lord says. First, seek counsel of the Lord. And you see right there, here is a brilliant proposal. Here is wise, timeless, sterling advice. If you're about to do something, if you're about to go in a particular direction, if you're about to make a choice, if you're about to make an important decision, first, let's find out what God says about this. Top priority, first thing to do, ask God. It's all natural. I know it is for most people, but it's vital for God's people. The question is, and I'm being really honest, do I ever actually do that? 
Or do I often just go ahead and make decisions and make choices, and then I kind of come back and ask God for his blessing on the choices and decisions I've taken or made? First, let's find out what God says. Well, that was great advice from Jehoshaphat. So what is Ahab going to do? What is Ahab going to do with Jehoshaphat's brilliant advice? Well, look at the next verse, verse 6. So the king of Israel, that's Ahab, brought together the prophets, about 400 men, and he asked them, right guys, shall I go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I not? Go, they answered, for the Lord is going to give that land into your hands. Well, it seems that Ahab has finally done a good thing. He's consulted a whole bunch of prophets. He sought advice from good guys. Or has he? Because look at what Jehoshaphat immediately says to him. Verse 7, it's on the screen. Is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here whom we can inquire of? So, it turns out those 400 prophets weren't godly prophets. I mean, we don't know who they were, but they weren't godly prophets. Because Jehoshaphat says, listen, is there no longer a prophet of the Lord that we can consult? You see, Jehoshaphat wasn't fooled. Jehoshaphat was someone who had a listening heart. Jehoshaphat was someone who wanted to hear the word of God. And so he asked for a proper prophet, someone who will actually share God's counsel, God's advice, God's word. And so Ahab comes back at him. And Ahab says, okay, Jehoshaphat, there is one. But let's read what he thinks about him. Look at verse 8. There is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. Brilliant. I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me. Always bad. He is Micaiah. Now, if you ever need a sentence that tells you everything you need to know about a king, there it is. Ahab hates, Ahab, the 11th king of Israel, hates prophets of the Lord. He hates anybody who brings God's word. Because why? They never say what we want them to say. God's word often says things that we don't wanted to say. And so, for example, God's word says, I want you to forgive people as I have forgiven you. And we go, that's so hard to do. God's word says this, I want you to pray for those who persecute you. We say, but God, that's so hard to do. I hate it. The other 400 prophets, they're great. They generally affirm what I think what I do, what I plan to do. But you see, that one, I just detest him. Micaiah is one of those people who just spoke the word of God. He spoke truth. And whenever you only want to do your own thing and go your own way, then you never really want to hear someone like that speak the word of God. And I know none of us are like Ahab. I hope we're not. I mean, as we've talked about before, Ahab goes down in history as the most evil king there ever was. None of us, God forbid, are like Ahab in that sense. 
But I wonder, do we ever just ignore or dismiss God's word because, quite frankly, we don't like it? We're afraid of what it says to us about certain aspects of the choices that we're making and decisions we're taking and habits we're, we're engaging in, our lifestyles as well. It doesn't say what we want it to say, and therefore we avoid it. A couple other thoughts. It's interesting because what Ahab does is Ahab hates the messenger, and therefore he rejects the message. And that can happen, can't it? You say, listen, I don't like that guy. I don't like a single word he says, even though he speaks the word of God and so I hate the messenger, and therefore I'm going to reject the message. We, we shoot the messenger. Now, the other thing is there's safety in numbers, isn't there? When it's 400 voices saying what you want to hear, but one that says something different will end. Listen, majority rules. Well, back to the story. Because what happens after Ahab comes out with this hate Jehoshaphat challenges him. Look at verse 8 again. End of it. The king should not say such a thing, replied Jehoshaphat. Ahab has his knuckles wrapped. And you know what he decides to do? He says, okay, let's send for that prophet. So this is going to be interesting. So meantime, while a messenger goes off to find Micaiah, Ahab and Jehoshaphat get dressed up in their royal robes, sit on a couple of thrones, and continue listening to these 400 prophets. One of the 400 prophets steps forward, a man called Zedekiah, and he produces a couple of horns. It's really weird. He produces a couple of horns, and he probably kind of puts on a guess, and he starts charging about. And he says to the kings, listen, with these horns, you will gore your enemy. Go ahead. Fight against Ben-Hadad. Don't listen to anyone who tells you anything different. Even if they say they're a prophet of God, we are 400 prophets. We're telling you, go and gore the enemy. Well, the messenger tracks down Micaiah. But look at what the messenger tells Micaiah before he comes to see Ahab. Verse 13. Luke, he says, the other prophets, that's the 400 without exception, so every one of them, are predicting success for the king. Make sure you agree with him. It's not brilliant. Just whenever you go and see Ahab, just tell him what everybody else is telling him. Well, Micaiah isn't that kind of prophet, and so this is what he says. As surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what the Lord tells me. So Micaiah, he's not a yes man, he's God's man. And therefore what he is going to say is going to clash with what everybody else says. And so the messenger brings Micaiah to Ahab and probably to Jehoshaphat as well, they're probably still together. And Ahab turns around to Micaiah and says, okay Micaiah, should I attack Ramoth Gilead? Well look at verse 15. This is a bit of a shock. Because here's what Micaiah says. Attack and be victorious, for the Lord will give it into your hand. Uh, hang on a minute. Is that not what the other 400 just said? Were we not expecting Micaiah to be different? And then look what happens, verse 16. Ahab turns around to Micaiah and says this to him. How many times 
must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? You see, Ahab knows. Now, this, this gets a bit unnerving. Ahab knows that Micaiah was being sarcastic. Most commentators, as they engage with the, the, the text here, say that what Micaiah was actually doing was mocking Ahab, and Ahab knew it, and therefore he knew that this guy wouldn't agree with the other 400. He knew he wouldn't tell him to go to war. He knew he would be a lone voice that spoke God's word, and therefore for him to turn around and say, attack and be victorious, he was being sarcastic. He was having a laugh. And therefore, Ahab pushed the prophet to be honest. And as I say, that, that's a bit unnerving. Although, for those who love sarcasm, that's maybe a word of affirmation for you. And there's plenty of you. No, I'm not going to do a joke. <laughs> anyway, as it turns out, so Ahab knows, Micaiah, you're being sarcastic, so I want you to swear. How many times do I have to make you swear to tell the truth? So please tell me what God said. And he's going to wish he hadn't. Look at verse 17. Here's what Micaiah says from God. I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. There's a phrase we'll come across against in Scripture. I see all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, these people have no master. Let each one go home in peace. You see, what this was was a solemn word of judgment. All Israel's going to be scattered. All Israel, north and south, they're going to be like sheep without shepherds. They're going to be lost and leadership, leaderless. This is a clear indication, Ahab, that you're on your way out. You have been a leader for a number of years, 22 years as it turns out. You've been king, but your reign is about to end. Because I see Israel scattered, lost, no longer a leader in place. They have no master again. It's another reference to your demise, Ahab. Let everyone go home in peace. So the question is, does Ahab listen now? Because it seems Ahab has discovered, if you go to war against Ramoth-Gilead, you're dead, Ahab. So where are you going to go? Well, it turns out that Ahab still refuses to listen. And do you know what he does at this point? He immediately turns around to Jehoshaphat and he says, See, I told you, this bloke only ever prophesies bad things against me. Ahab doesn't have a listening heart, and so he throws a strop, and he's not prepared to hear the word of God. In fact, he defies the word of God, and at that point, Micaiah steps back in, and he speaks again, and he starts with these words, therefore, King Ahab, hear, please, will you hear the word of the Lord? And then he goes on to share something else with him. And at the end of what he shares, two things happen. Zedekiah, you know the guy with the horns? Zedekiah steps out of the 400 and he walks up to Micaiah and he slaps him in the face. Won't be the last time a prophet of God gets slapped in the face for speaking the truth. But the second thing to happen was Ahab turns around and he says, Micaiah, I'm throwing you into prison. 
and I'm going to lock you up, and you're only going to have bread and water for as long as I determine. You see, it can be really tough to speak God's word. There's never a promise or a guarantee of an easy ride when you do. All Micaiah does is he shares God's word. And he ends up getting slapped and incarcerated. And we've no idea how long he was locked up for. We never actually hear of him again. All because he was prepared to speak God's word. And you know something for us? Listening to God's word, sharing God's word, it's, it's never popular. You're going to get hassle. You are going to stand out from the crowd. Lots of people are going to tell you what you want to hear. Lots of people are going to tell other people what they want to hear. But the minute you say, no, I, I, I'm willing to hear God's word. I want to hear what God says on this. I want to do what God says about this. You may not end up getting physically slapped or literally incarcerated. But you'll get ostracized. You'll get isolated, maybe. And Micaiah certainly did. And in verse 28, he declares, have a look at this with me, I'm nearly done. Micaiah declares, these are kind of his parting words. He says to Ahab, if you ever return safely, so if you go to war and you come back again, if you ever return safely, here's what. The Lord has not spoken through me. So in other words, see if you go to war, Ahab, and you survive, clearly my words are not God's words. It's all been a load of nonsense, and you are just right not to listen. But you see, if you go to war and you die, you have made the grave mistake of choosing not to have a listening heart. Ahab, why don't you just wait and see if God's word comes true? And you know, that remains a very live issue today because lots of people, lots of people in our world, lots of people in our culture are kind of playing fast and loose with God's word. So when God's word says, the wages of sin is death, I doubt it. It's appointed unto man once to die and then to face judgment. Don't think so. Jesus is the only way to the Father. Don't care. Those who believe in Jesus will not perish, but will have everlasting life. I tell you what, I'm going to take the risk. You cannot serve two masters, God and money. Well, I'm going to give it a go. And on and on it goes. God's word keeps speaking. Do we have listening hearts? And then Micaiah finishes with this. Mark my words, all you people. Not just Ahab, not just Jehoshaphat, not just the 400 prophets. Mark my words, all you people. You see, everyone needs a listening heart. Everyone needs a willingness to hear God's word. So do you have it? Are you reading God's word? Are you reflecting on God's word? Are you allowing God's word to determine your steps? Is it your first port of call when you've got to make decisions and choices? Well, I pray to God that we will be a church 
characterized by a willingness to listen to God's living and powerful word and to take it to heart. Amen.